It's too wordy, a comic book podcast for three buddies get together to talk about comics for the trail of today. I'm Nick, and I'm joined by Kirk, Ryan, playing Jack, Wingnut Ozzle. For now. We'll see what happens to Jack later. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. New comic book. So, Ryan inspired me to go out and find a book that I wouldn't normally have picked up or read. The upside to this is that it's called Bill and Ted Roll the Dice, and it's got the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons style cover. So, I at least got the right book. The right cover, I should say. It starts out, Bill and Ted are fighting, uh, Cools, Chools, Cthulhu, I don't know what they're called. I'll just call them Chool. And they're actually rolling dice. And Bill and Ted's are like, oh man, this is like, we gotta do math and shit. And, uh, they're fighting a demon to save the world. They're having a Dungeons and Dragons game to save the world. Is what the whole premise of this is. So, you know, of course, Bill and Ted got to call all their, their friends like Joan of Arc, Aleister Crowley. Eh? Eh? They brought Aleister Crowley in to be the wizard. And they talked about his uh, sex kink fetish and <laughs> and all this stuff. And they bring in Dr. Feelgood, who was the inspiration for Motley Crue's song, Dr. Feelgood, according to Bill and Ted. That's the L.A. doctor that would just give them drugs, right? Yes. The stars? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, then they bring in a little... And let's yeah. It was okay. It was I'm not okay. going to go any further. I'm not going to go basically, any further. They basically... They basically... Ba- it was okay. They basically... It's I'm not going to go any further. A bunch they of shit basically where they're trying to bait, beat, a bunch of money for Demon. They basically demon, it's just rolling a bunch of shit. And they're like, we need so Alistair Crowley starts uh, taking off his clothes, and they're like, not that way. Crowley starts taking off his clothes, not that way. And he's like, and he's like, prudes. It's taking off his clothes, and they're like, not that way. And he's like, and the book ends with Jonah Bark being eviscerated. And the book ends with Jonah Bark being eviscerated. Um, with Joan of Arc being eviscerated. Um, I only like the cover. Um, um, I only like the cover. I'm just gonna, I only like the cover. I'm just gonna say. That cover's a beautiful cover. It's a beautiful cover. It's got Rufus fighting the, the demon and got the it just has the whole A D and D feel to it. It's awesome. So that's what I had. I won't be picking up another one. Don't don't waste your time. I I appreciate that you tried something out of your normal realm, but don't blame me for the crap. I'm not <laughs> I know what I'm getting when I pick this stuff up. I don't know. This one was inspired by Ryan. You can take it like yeah, it was, but I really wanted to buy this. 
Um, <laughs> oh yes, Mad Balls versus Dragon Ball, Dragon Pale Kids, Garbage Pale Kids, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Kids, Dragon um, Ball Kids. Number one just came out by Dynamite. Don't read it; it's horrible. It's not even funny for a four-year-old. Um, so it's one of the worst shit. reads I've ever read. Um, good stories. It's a piece of shit. Um, it's, it's, so one of the worst it's, reads it's, I've ever read. So one of the worst reads I've ever read. Other than the Mad Balls book that came out a couple years ago, this one's pretty bad. Um, okay, that's it. I give that a <laughs> no stars. That's a zero stars, pal. The name itself should have given that away. Alright, so I did uh, Samurai Sonia number two from Dynamite. And this is an incarnation of Sonia taking place in ancient Japan and uh, this one stuck out to me just mainly because there is a talking monkey that is annoying the hell out of her and as she's going along and it is fantastic and it's surprise ending I don't want to give anything away Um, but she is turning into a, or training to become a samurai, and the monkey can read her thoughts, and he can sense her doubts, and so he starts uh, taunting her as she's going through the forest, and um, she realizes some of the training she took on how to calm her mind, and she's able to calm her mind, and the monkey can no longer find her, and... Oh, it's, it's just really good. Check it out. It's a lot better than I was expecting uh, from this series. So, yeah. Samurai Sonia. Two two pieces of shit and one good one. Cool. Uh, I guess I gotta go first again, huh? Don't want to. You don't have it. It's the 70s, right? Yep. Uh, Alright, so uh, now we're moving <laughs> on quest. to Quarter Quest, where we find books that are a dollar or less from three different generations. Uh, you've heard it before. Alright. <laughs> Kirk, you're up. Seven. I don't think I like Nick with no sleep. <laughs> so, I borrowed from the Hanky Library Stalker Number 1 from 1975. Uh, Paul Levitz was the writer. Steve Ditko and Wally Wood were the artists. And Joe Orlando was the editor. So it starts out with uh, Stalker riding on a boat trying to find... Uh, I couldn't say his name when I was reading it. Um, so I'm gonna, it's like Degaf was his name. It's a demon. And he's trying to win his soul back, get his soul back from the devil. And he finds the island... He gets taken in by a good-looking woman, and she's trying to lead him away from where he's going, and he gets attacked by snakes, and he fights off the snakes and wins, and she bows before his feet, saying, oh, you're the powerful god, blah, 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 blah. And then you get an interlude with Shazam, the world's mighty, mightiest 
Mortal Fights Minerva Menace. It's a Twinkie ad, y'all. It was bad. It was really good. And as they're going along, this chick is talking to them, and then they do an interlude with uh, the demon that sent this girl to fight him. He gets attacked by demons again, or whatever these are. Uh, looks like a demon. And he defeats that, and then Hot Chick turns into a harpy. I was like, damn, we've all been there, buddy. Wake up in the morning, turn on the light, and you're like, Jesus! So he fights the harpy. She turns into a demon, and now he's going after the uh, the demon who has his soul, the devil who has his soul. It was it was good. It was okay. Kind of a quick read through there, but nothing really happened except fighting demons and the chick turning into a harpy. That you might like that because it's yeah. more like Dungeons and Dragons. It was. It was. I did. I liked it because it was just like Dungeons and Dragons. I had kind of a theme going this week. Yep. <laughs> All right. So that takes me up next. Um, I've got Hand of Fate by Eclipse Comics number one, and this came out February of '88, and uh, the story was by Bruce Jones. Art was by Gerald Fortin. Uh, letters. Diane Valentino and the colors were done by Ripley Thornhill. And this is a detective noir story. It's actually a one shot. It's actually a three piece series, but this is a one shot of those three uh, books and starts off with a lighthouse keeper being called to the sea by a mermaid and is promptly killed. So then we go to our uh, detective who's just hanging around in his office and uh, his name's Artemis Fate, or excuse me, Artemis Fate, my apologies. And a woman had suddenly appeared in his office and it's like, hey, do you have psychic powers? It's like, mm, what do you want to know for? And she's like, well, the advertisement on the door says you have psychic powers. I need somebody with psychic powers. No, I, you know, finally he basically just says, no, I don't have psychic powers. But he finds out that the woman's there to, uh, she's, her last name's Thornhill, and it was one of her brothers that died in the ocean to the mermaid. And, um, she wants to, she thinks there's foul play. Doesn't think he just went into the ocean and drowned like the police do. And, um, so unbeknownst to her, he basically, yeah, I'm not psychic at all. Um, but he's going to check out the story anyhow. He did, he tries to pursue her and she happens to just disappear. Well, uh, fate's sidekick, pet sidekick, I should say, is a gigantic raven who all of a sudden shows up at a, uh, psychic show where, uh, a woman whose name is Alexa is 
um, telling people what they have in their purses and their wallets and things like that. And she's managing to cause a great commotion in the crowd because she basically called out her guy who wasn't believing any of it and said, Hey, yeah, you're having an affair. Wife was sitting right there and she starts slugging them and it's all a good time. Anyhow, the bird shows up. Lex is like, okay, I got to go and bolts out. And meets up with fate. So they go out to the lighthouse to find out what's going on. They run into yet another Thornhill who owns the land and it's like private property. Get out of here. Stay away from it. And they knock him out. They go up to the lighthouse and they find the, you know, the lighthouse logs. And they find out that at one point, the Thornhills were associated with a pirate who supposedly hid treasure on this Island. And because of uh, this mermaid kept on the siren calling him to the sea, most of his crew died. And so the pirate in the Thornhill managed to escape on this boat and, but the money's cursed. So any of the Thornhills that try to find the money at this point end up dead. Well, fate and Alexa are like, yeah, there's no such thing as mermaids. We're not buying into that. Let's figure out what's going on. So they end up doing a little bit of research. They talk to the third brother, another Thornhill, who uh, is wheelchair-bound, and his nurse is doing his, her best to prevent uh, Fate and Alexa talking to him. And um, when they leave, Fate and Alexa are talking a little bit, and Alexa's like, yeah, something's wrong in that house. You can just feel it. It's the vibes, whatever. Anyhow, so they do a little bit more research. Uh, they go out to the ocean. They or to where the lighthouse is. They see a mermaid calling yet another Thornhill into the sea. They grab him and save him. But they happen to notice that the mermaid happens to look like the gal that came to hire Fate and Alexa to figure solve the mystery. Long story short, I know it's already too long. Long story short. Uh, the female Thornhill is actually a ghost. That's why she was looking for a psychic, somebody that she could communicate with. Uh, the mermaid was the nurse who was dressing up like the female Thornhill and was killing all of these other Thornhills to try to get the money. And they find out there was actually no money whatsoever. And they figure out that the female Thornhill actually died 30 years earlier and was put in a cage below the lighthouse and kind of hidden. And um, that's kind of how the story wrapped. Here's the thing. This book was absolutely amazing. I couldn't put it down. It was the art's amazing. The story was fantastic. It's just a great noir story. Um, the only thing I'm trying to figure out is like at the beginning of the book, it says hand of fate tells you when it's published and everything and who uh, who's associated with the story and it said that the art is contributed to uh, Rick Burchett I'm like cool I like Rick Burchett he did some Green Lantern stuff I've met him a couple times really nice guy but I cannot find any association with his name to any of the three books that they created for the Hand of Fate and I'm trying to figure out why he's listed there but otherwise um if you can find these, pick them up. This this was just unbelievable. 
I can't recommend it enough. I'm very happy with this book. Wow. Nice. <clears throat> now to get on to something shitty. Now, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this came out in uh, October 1996 from Virtual Comics. So if you ever wanted to know where digital comics first started, well, Virtual Comics. Um, yeah, there's all over this book. Hey, go check out our webpage and read some first digital comics. <laughs> So, uh, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, writer was Danny. Gotta, well, hold on, let me put my glasses on. Put your on. glasses I on. I gotta put my glasses on because I'm old. All right, um, writer was Danny Figueroa, uh, penciler Ron Lim, and Jimmy Palmiotti was the inker. How do you go wrong with this? Oh, well, you go wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> um, not only was this one of the dumbest books I've read in a long time, um, it, he just, he's a ripoff of Ghost Rider. Uh, Total ripoff of Ghost Rider and Firestorm. So he's got a skull face, which he says he has a skull face, but he really doesn't have a skull face. He has more he of looks like, like a, a scroll face. face. Yeah, he has a scroll face. He doesn't have a skull face. He keeps talking about his flaming skull face, and he doesn't have one. Um, uh, do I remember what happens in this? No, that's because it left no impression on my brain. Like, there's nothing about this book that was like interesting for me. Uh, it was a force to read. I just like had to force myself to finish it did not care about it. Um, so many ads in the back for, hey, look, a digital comic. Hey, look, a digital comic. Hey, look, a digital comic video game for Westworld 2000. Hey, look. And here's here's a whole bunch of, like, letters for a book that didn't come out yet. Um, more digital <laughs> image. Imaging. Oh, God, that looks so bad. Uh, it looks um, about 1996 3D there. Yep. It's so bad, and it's just like, hey, look, more, more virtual comics. But that hey. was cutting edge at the time. Yeah, don't forget. But it's like, how do you go wrong with this? And you've got some great people on it, and it just turns into shit. I would recommend staying away. From was this. it online first, so they could get some letters? I might have been. That looks absolutely horrible. It was a dollar, so I wouldn't even spend a dollar on it. Right. I get a lot of crap. I wouldn't pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I had to take a bullet for you guys. Wow. So, uh, recommend not picking that one up, guys. Alright. Don't have to tell me twice. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. The Random Reads. Random Reads. Reads. Random. Reads. Random. Alright. Who wants to go? I'll go first. So, another thing I did this week was tried to find a, at least one non-Marvel book. And I picked up Ordinary Gods number 7. Because when I read the synopsis, it said that this was the beginning of a new arc. It's a beginning of the new arc, but what they didn't tell you is you gotta know what the fuck happened in the first part. Starts off with uh, two people sparring, and they beat the shit out of each other, and he must have punched her too hard, or she had an attack. Oh, she had all these gods in her head telling her what to do. And she was like, stop! And she fainted. And it looks like he's going to try to kiss her there, and she's like, get off me! No means no! I do not consent. 
And then the cook comes out and says, I've made a delicious meal for you. Let's go have food. I think this would have made more sense to me if I knew what actually happened in the first six books. And they're eating. And the chick who who did not consent uh, says, uh, This is the second meal I've ever had. Second best meal I've ever had. Sorry. And the cook's like, what was your first? Well, back in blah, 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 BC, I ate at this place, and this had the best food, and... I'm like, oh, it's one of these freaking things. And they're talking about how they love Earth, these two, two young people. And the old lady's like, I hate this place, and she used to be a man in the previous book, and now she's an old woman. I used to be a man. Because they were, they died, and they were brought back to life, but they were brought back to life in weaker forms. Somehow. I, I don't know them. Like I said, I'm lost. Um, they said they gotta take over the world. Dude doesn't like it. Dude pretends like he's playing along, and he's the worst actor ever. And he gets captured. end. I like how they tell you that this is a new story arc, but I wish they would, like, give you a recap? A a quick blurb at the very, like, the inside of the front page. Like, where they have the list of all the names and everything. Like, right here. Yeah. Do, do like, like a page where they do a a recap. Upper page is a recap. Lower page is the Who's con- right. who did the book? Yeah, because I picked this up specifically because it said it was a new arc. You know, I didn't want to come in in the Blank, middle of yeah. in the middle of a story, so I'm like, "Cool, I'll pick this up. It looks pretty cool." And I was completely lost. And then I had to get at least one Marvel book in here. Uh, I picked up Daredevil number one. Is Chip still doing that? Chip Zdarsky? Yep. Yep. Um, and it's who you think is Matt Murdock walking around saying, is this person going to grow up and cure cancer or is he going to be, you know, invade Poland? Or and He's just walking. And then they cut to uh, what I think is Daredevil because he's got the red eyes and he's got a beard and it's got uh, Electra there, and somebody is talking to him. I don't know who is talking to him, and he is now the head of the fist. Yes, the fist. So basically, he goes and sees this guy who you think isn't Matt Murdock. Goes and sees Carl. Uh, Carlton. That's a baseball player. I was going to say Carlton Fisk. But that's a catcher from the 70s and 80s. So 78 World Series. Yeah, and he played for the White Sox. Guys are old. <laughs> Jeez. He was the one that hit the home run and was going like this all the way down. He was the on the Red base. Sox when he did that, yes. Yeah, yeah. Red Sox, yes. <laughs> yes, we are old. <laughs> oh, I, I just watched that on highlight reels. I don't know what you guys are talking about. No, I did too. <laughs> 
Anyway, it's Fisk's son, Kingpin's son. He's now the Kingpin. If you couldn't tell, he's dressed in the black and the white of the Kingpin. And he's talking about killing Matt. So you think this is Mike. But no, it's really Matt disguised as his brother. He can see. Right? He's leaving town because he wants to go chase after some girl he's pining after. And he goes on one last adventure with Spidey. And Spidey's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. fight bad guys. They make sure to let everybody know that there will be people to fight crime in New York after Daredevil leaves because, you know, New York is short on superheroes. They don't have any, you know. Not that the whole Marvel Universe doesn't revolve around New York City, you know. So, then you cut to standing in line Matt's standing in line wanting a, to order a coffee but he doesn't want a, want a lot of caffeine and this guy gets all pissy with him saying he's some of us are late for work and I'm like if you're late for work why the fuck are you standing in line in a coffee shop if you're truly late for work is coffee more important than punctuality <laughs> I'm getting stares. <laughs> anyway, Daredevil stops this disgruntled this disgruntled employee wants to kill this guy because he got fired, and Daredevil saves him, but the guy dies, and then he runs into Robert Goldman. Goldie from their college days. And it turns out he's a uh, villain. He blows up a train. And then it goes back to Daredevil with a beard. And he's talking about how they're going to finally take down the hand. And I'm like, oh, now I know where this book is going. It's bucking to have a Daredevil versus Punisher crossover. Because Punisher's the head of the hand, Daredevil's the head of the fist, and they want to annihilate each other. And then Elektra's looking for a new base outside of Hell's Kitchen to get Matt away from New York, and she runs in the stick. And they get attacked by Russians because they're on the Russian-Chinese border or whatever, I don't know. Stick tells Electra she's gone soft. And Electra proceeds to beat the shit out of Stick. If you don't know who Stick is, Stick is the one who trained Electra and Daredevil. And she says, Get off your ass, now we have a world to save. Because she's starting to listen to Matt and his preachiness and become a good person. The only thing I got out of it is that they're going to have Punisher versus Daredevil. 
and that might be a good enough reason just to maybe push through these these issues. So, you know what I've never understood? They made a <clears throat> sorry, a Batman meets the Ninja Turtles. Why haven't they made a Daredevil meets the Ninja Turtles where they actually Daredevil was the kid that pushed the guy out of the way, dropped his turtles into the freaking sewer. That would have been awesome. Instead of like, oh yeah, you you owned us, you know? Yeah. Just do it. Come on. Do it. Alright, you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Alright, so. I I did read Punisher number four. It's awesome. Go read mm-hmm. it. Uh, something's happening, and I think it's not going to last for very much longer, I don't think. No. He's not going to be part of the hand for very much longer. Nope. Alright, so. Uh, I got. Damn it, you ruined my tease. It's okay. Ha ha ha. Genesville, Captain Marvel number one by Peter David. And Juan Ramirez as the artist. Lobos. And uh, it just came out. Uh, I love it. It's awesome. Um, Genus Bell is alive again. And uh, Rick Jones is alive again. So why not put them together? Um, uh, Genus is having a problem with his memory. He can't remember anything. But the one thing that's stupid is, he's like, oh, I have the power cosmic. I can, I have, I know where everything is in the universe. But he can't find um, somebody. Right? So he's just like, oh, I can't find him. Like, what? You mean you, you have, like, infinite knowledge of where everything is in the universe, you can't find somebody. Itty bitty living space! Um. Let's see. Ah, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Rick Jones is having problems. Uh, of course, he goes to, uh, Tony Stark. Tony Stark's like, I'm not a detective. Go, uh, go find one. Pretty much. He's like, helps him out a little bit. Uh, Rick goes out. Finds out that um, he's looking for Margo. Margo hasn't been seen for, I don't know, 20 years since she left and was hanging out with Moondragon. And, uh, well, long story short, Margo and Moondragon became lovers. And Rick was her husband at the time. Decided to leave with Captain Marvel to let them experiment with whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Why? That. Um... It ends up that Margo's in a human zoo, right? Kind of. <laughs> One of those. Um, let's see. Uh, big revolt. Captain Marvel comes in. Fights them. Blah, 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 blah. Um, also, the thing is, like, uh, <clears throat> the fact that uh, Marvel is unstable and Rick Jones is unstable means that they actually need to be coming back together to have that symbiotic relationship that they needed. Somehow it's going to stabilize them. Um <clears throat> Uh, a lot of stuff happens. Don't want to tell you about it. Special appearance at the end. Alright. Supposedly somebody's dead. Didn't he die? Yes, he did. But he's back. Of course he is. Can't um, bring another guy back, but they'll bring that asshole back. Then I found a couple issues of Shanna the She-Devil. So this is Shanna the She-Devil number two. Does that have a Kazar in it? No, thank God. This is even worse without him. This is, uh... <laughs> Published in 1972. Alright, so, this one's called the Sahara Connection, right? So, uh, God, how do you describe this book? Um, it's, yeah, it's by Carol Suling. Oh, there's a good part in this. Okay, so, Carol Suling and artist Ross Andrew. So, really, not many people that we would know. Um, Roy Thomas was the editor. There's, there's one. Okay. There's a good thing. Um, 
There's a lot of uh, cheesecake in this, but it's bad cheesecake because this guy does not know how to draw a butt. Like, look at this. It goes right underneath. It's constantly. Like, there's a slope where her her butt should be, but it doesn't go there. It kind of, like, goes underneath her leg. Like, all the time. She's got a flat ass. Oh, you haven't seen nothing yet. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. See, look right here. Bam. Flat. Flat Like, ass. if I could find, like, I, I'm going to post this picture, right? Um... Let's see if I can remember what the story was about. Um, yes. There's a guy that looks like the Kingpin, but he's not the Kingpin. He is the Mount... The One Pin? Yeah. He is the Mountain, and he is a slaver, right? So, she is trying to protect these people from becoming slaves. Um, it ends up that he has some kind of weird thing happening with the space agency in France. Right, that he's creating this. Um, the French have a space agency. Yeah, uh, uh, the space defense frontier. Uh, so he's he's has this uh, instrumentation in the in his room that he can, he's trying to like hack into this French space agency, and you know why he's trying to hack into it. Because he thinks the moon's made out of cheese? No. They don't believe they landed on the moon? He had a guy. This is his plan, right? So, he had a guy in France put a... Uh, how many kilos? Like, I don't know. thousand kilos of heroin oh my God. onto the space shuttle. Uh-oh. That's launching out of France. And it's going to the moon. Why is it launching out of France? Yeah, I don't it know. Makes no fucking this doesn't sense. make any sense. It doesn't make any fucking That's sense. your question? Why is heroin Not the heroin going to space? It's why are <laughs> they the flying, Why are they launching out of this out of France? So she gets captured and she tries to hunt this guy down before he can launch or intercept the space shuttle instead of so it could land in Africa instead of on the moon. But she she destroys the machinery, it lands on the moon. So now there's a thousand kilos of heroin sitting on the moon. And we were talking at work about this stupid book. And I was like, you know what would be great? A follow-up story. Like, like uh, Cyclops we, and Jean Grey are doing below on the moon. This would be the Inhumans. The, so the Inhumans are sitting shooting up, up there smack, just, doing smack. Just doing heroin. Just up there like, oh yeah, you know what would be great? <laughs> Fucking the Fantastic Four. Right? But, uh, wow. This book is really dumb, and I'm glad I read it. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> so, um, my first one is Outsiders, number 17, from April of 95. And they should have not called this The Outsiders. They should have called it The Outsider because there's not a lot of outsiders involved. Um, this is a crossover with the New Titans, Dark Stars, and, uh, yeah, and The Outsiders. So, Geoforce, um, this is coming straight into the story. So, Geoforce is fighting Green Lantern for whatever reason because they were trying to figure out who had the biggest dick or some shit. And they're going at it. 
and Donna Troy, the Dark Star, shows up and is like, I was going to let you guys beat the crap out of each other, but, and then try to figure out, or, uh, you know, save you uh, at the last second, but there's not enough brain cells between the two of you to bother saving, and then everything's okay. Because Geoforce and Green Lantern and uh, Arsenal are sitting in a room with Donna Troy, and Geoforce is like, well, I really want to talk to Terra. Terra doesn't want to talk to you. The reason Terra doesn't want to talk to him is because Terra is not the Terra that he knows as his half-sister, but is somebody completely different. Geoforce still has it in his head that it is his half-sister, but he accepts that she's saying that he is she's not the half-sister, and they'll be okay. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> And then uh, Geoforce is a prince of his country, and two robots show up, um, identifying him as the prince of his country, and they see Terra, and they're like, that's who we were supposed to get, and Terra's trying to do her ground stuff, and, you know, uh, throw rocks at him and junk like that. They manage to catch her, and they take take her back to uh, this ship. Well, Geoforce, knowing the He's like, oh, those are short-range robots, so they can't have gotten too far. So Green Lantern, uh, Donna, Troy, and Arsenal go flying off with Geoforce to rescue the not-half-sister, Terra. And uh, the scientist from Geoforce's land is trying to test her to find out uh, how they can get other uh, superhuman traits in some of their other people so they can be a dominant nation. And Geoforce is like, no, I don't think so. And Terra leaves and goes, it's really nice of Geoforce to be cool with me. And, but I know he still thinks I'm his half sister. And the rest of them are like, yeah, see ya. And that was it. Um, it was dumb. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> it was dumb. All right. So what's good is like, uh, they didn't just get rid of the dark stars. Right. When the, Right. It's kind of nice. Yeah, I, I wish they'd still do something a little bit with them, but... Uh, two that, space cops? They don't need two space cops. They don't even have one space cop. Nothing's being published right now. And John Stewart's dead. Um, Not really. For now. He'll get better. Yeah. <laughs> He'll get better. Well, they'll rub some lotion on him and it'll be fine. Um... Yeah, don't know. Why, oh, that's what I was going to say. But, you know, Dark Stars, they started off like a decent story, and then they realized that nobody cares because there's no uh, no names in it. So then they put Jon Stewart in it and Donna Troy in it. And then it got kind of, in my opinion, lame. I liked it a little bit beforehand before they made started putting names in it just to help sell the book. All right. What was funny was, is you said Donna Troy, and I thought you said Deanna Troy. And I was like, how oh, sweet, a Star Trek Green Lantern crossover. That is a thing. Is it? Next Generation and Green Lantern? No. No, it's uh, First Gen. Okay. If I remember right, yeah, because... But I think their characters are all based off of the Star Trek, the new Star Trek movies. 
And okay. So all the characters it's in the Kelvin verse colored rings. Yeah, it's okay. All right. Anyhow, um, I was really excited about finding this when I actually found it on vacation, and I did not expect to uh, ever find this. But there was a crossover with Pathfinder and the other characters of the Dynamite Universe, and they call it Pathfinder Worlds Worldscape. I have not read that crossover. I just read this one-off because it's a Pathfinder Worldscape Red Sonya crossover. So I really didn't have a clue what was actually happening in the book. Um, <laughs> I hate when that happens. Image. <laughs> but you get a cool map, apparently, for Pathfinders if you really want it. Um, we might need it. So, somehow Red Sonya ends up on this other planet, and they are looking for this jewel with a couple of the characters from Pathfinder and uh, because it is a Red Sonja book and she needs to kill lots and lots of people there is a cult that is protecting this jewel and the Pathfinder guys need to grab it so they can get a truth with said group so they go in and kill a bunch of these bad guys to get the jewel so they can get a truce developed and that's what I got out of this um I am going to track down the Pathfinder Worldscape books just to find out what's actually happening. But, uh, yeah, it is an okay story. I was still excited about finding it because I really didn't think I'd ever find it. All right. And then finally, so for, I'd say probably about seven, eight years now, I have been trying to track down the last two issues of Dreadnoughts Declassified uh, by DDP Comics. Or Devil Do's Bang! Publishing. And I found it. Trademark. So, this is really... Uh, these G.I. Joe declassifieds that DDP did were fantastic. Um, absolutely check them out. But this particular one is all about the Dreadnoughts. And... Zartan, they introduced Zartan. They're talking about how he's running this group from Australia and they were called the Dreadnoughts, and there's this, like, super agent spy guy, and um, he gets in with Zartan and helps secure a deal. Anyhow, um, a little bit later, he disguises himself as Zartan and makes a deal with Cobra Commander to go take out Snake Eyes, so that causes the whole thing where um, Zartan shoots the Hardmaster who he, when he was actually trying to kill Snake Eyes and kills the Hardmaster, which pisses off Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow because Snake Eyes thought Storm Shadow did it. But they obviously worked it out and they both went after Zartan. Well, you come to find out that this guy's not the original Zartan. They actually take out the original Zartan and he takes over running the Dreadnoughts and uh, his brother and sister show up in the book and uh, it's not Zartan's real brother and sister. It is the guy that is portraying Zartan's brother and sister and oh, just amazing story. Absolutely check it out if you can find it. Like I said, it took me forever to find the last two issues of this. But it was amazing. Read it. It's great. All right. That's what I have. Nice. 
Cool. Anybody got anything else? I got some stuff. All right. So I was flipping through the TV on the antenna channels, and I came across MeTV. I love MeTV. They had Batman on. I watched the end of an episode of Batman. Is that Saturday nights or Saturday night? Saturday night, yeah. Which leads into Star Trek, the original series, on Saturday night. So I'm watching, and I'm like... They said, I was like, what is this episode? I don't remember this episode. And then, you know, like, and then they say the USS Botany Bay. And I'm like, oh, the first appearance of Khan. So Teresa and I are watching it. And Khan is like with the woman that he coerces into helping him. I don't like your hair like this. Here, let me make you more beautiful. And Teresa goes, yeah, because. I need a man to tell me how to be more beautiful <laughs> and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, talk some shit to that TV. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it did have some very overtones to it in that, that time frame, but that's the time frame, you know? And I'm like, okay. And then they're like, we're in the city alpha system. And I'm like, city alpha five. This is City Alpha 6! From Khan. Wrath of Khan. So, I got to see that. I'd never seen the episode before. But it brought up all of Star Trek 2. Made it make sense why they were so pissed off at Captain Kirk and stuff like that. And then. Saturday night, I watched The Gray Man. How was that? Uh, freaking awesome. It's by the Russo Brothers. The reason I... I was, like, sitting there, and I'm, like, watching this, and Chris Evans is an awesome prick. He can take Captain America and bury him with, you know, going the complete other way. You don't even recognize the two characters, right? The same person. The trash stash helps, too. But I'm sitting there, and I'm all, like, tense. And I'm like, I haven't been like this since I saw Captain America Winter Soldier. And I was in the theater, and I was holding Teresa's hand, and I was, like, crushing it because I was all into it. That's how into it I got. I'm like, why the hell is this happening? I didn't know who it was by. And the credits roll, and it says... The Russo brothers were the... I'm like, that makes sense. They, they they have that ability to get you really into the action sequences and all that and pull you in and get you worried about the character. And So, I highly recommend The Gray Man. I'm not going to say anything about the movie because... Yep, I got it in my queue. It's, it's really good. And... I will say that it was good enough that they're making a second one. Um, and then I went and saw Thor, Love and Thunder. And I loved it. The only thing is, 
is that I just don't have any excitement for any of these movies that are coming out anymore. Is it because it's been oversaturated? Or is it because I like the TV shows better? Okay, now. Thor Love and Thunder was awesome, don't get me wrong. It's just... So, since Peacemaker came out, mm-hmm. I'm missing that edge. Like, the edge that Peacemaker had. Like, none of the yeah. Marvel movies or DC have that, Yeah, you know... I'll that, get to that in a second. That adult thing, you know? And it's just kind of like, I don't... I don't really want to see a Doctor Strange movie that's not about Doctor Strange. I don't want to see a Thor movie that's not about Thor. It's more about Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? I don't want to see well, I will tell the Guardians you, it's, of the Galaxy it's movie not, that's not about the Guardians, but it's about Thor. I don't want to see... Uh, I want to see a movie... Of, if they make a Nova movie, I don't want it to be about Silver Surfer. I will you know? I will tell you that the Guardians of the Galaxy are only in it for five minutes. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but that, you know that's what, how they make it look. That's how like, they make it look, but... Like, oh, it's just going to be... No, I'm so, I'll tell you that. Walking around with Rocket. Like, uh, I'll tell you that it's only five minutes. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just too it's, much. It's too much... Yeah, other interweaving of it, yes. Um, Give me me one. I will say that Taika Waititi is still an awesome director. And his little subtle humors, you'll know what they are when you see them, are hilarious. Um, I liked it. It will probably be one that I can watch multiple times over and over again, like Ragnarok. (laughs) That's how fun it is. But, you know, I, you know, they're just not, something's just not, like Nick said, it's not. There's just something missing. There's miss, something missing, and like, they released Black Widow too late. That should have been the first female-led Marvel movie. In between Infinity War and Endgame. That should have been the first one, not Miss Marvel. Because you, they released it after you knew what happened to Natasha. You know what happens to her. So it's like, why am I watching this? Right? It would have made it mean more if they had released it in that in-between space. And it would have made her death even more impactful. Because you know some of her, you know, you knew some of her backstory. So, um, I didn't know what Doctor Strange was trying to accomplish. Uh, Shang-Chi was awesome. I love that one. I kind of want to see what they're going to do with Black Panther. But I kind of don't. It's like, I can take it or leave it, you know? And then I was watching the previews before the movie, and they previewed... Uh, Oppenheimer. That looked okay. Um, there was a movie with Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, and it had a whole bunch of other people in it. I can't remember the name, but it takes place. They're like time traveler. They they're like immortal or something. I think. And I looked at Teresa and I said. I kind of want to see it. She goes, yeah, that's one of, there's, this is one of those movies that could, you know, be really shitty. 
or it could be freaking awesome. It could go either way. You know, and I'm just sitting there and then they played the Black Adam trailer. And I'm like, okay, they got Captain Adam. They got Hawkman. And I always faced there was three of them that are in it. Fate. Dr. Fate. Okay, I like who's playing Dr. Fate. I don't know who were playing the other two because I didn't realize Captain Adam was going to be in it. Um, let's just say I'm glad I won't have to pay to watch that movie when it comes out on HBO Max. So, I'm like, there's no movies, it's, there are no movies coming out that are just like, oh, I gotta go and see this. You know? I'm more excited for the TV shows that are coming out on Marvel and Disney Plus and I think that's what kind of made the movies feel a little bit more unnecessary. Yeah. Because they did so much developing on the TV shows. You can get three two-hour movies out of a season of a TV show. Yeah. Which reminds me, as Marvel... I haven't watched the end yet. What? I was going to, but we ended up watching The Gray Man instead of watching Ms. Marvel. I really wanted your thoughts. Okay, well, next time we will talk about Ms. Marvel. Did you watch it, Nick? What, the final episode of Ms. Marvel? Yeah. Yep. Alright, I will watch it this week, and I will. we can do it the next time we have the show. How about you, Nick? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I work too much. I don't get to do shit. Um, so these are the movies that are coming out this year. Um, <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Big draw? Eh. MODOK. <laughs> You're going to get my attention if you got MODOK. <laughs> Secret Invasion? Is that the movie? TV show. Yes, TV show. TV show? Okay, I kind of want to see it. It could be good. It could if be. they do it right. It's just going to mess everything up. Because now, who's a scroll? Who's not a scroll? That's... Oh, you know why that CGI sucked? Because she's a scroll. Well, well, I found they, out that that's they, how you could tell. They CGI only took o- they only took over the bodies of people who were blipped. There's a big thing about Agent Carter or Sharon Carter being a scroll. How did she get to be the, you know, the power broker so fast? Bitch, it's been six years. She's been on the run from the government for six years. Yeah. Guards of the Galaxy three. Eh. Mm. Eh. I mean, <laughs> finally, Adam Warlock. Maybe a Nova. Maybe, maybe a Darkhawk. Maybe. Yeah. Darkhawk? I'm in. 100%. There's a fucking Darkhawk. I'm sorry. Uh, Echo? Don't fucking care. Nope. Um, don't care. That's um, a TV show, right? Yeah. Yes. It, you know what? Taskmaster. Same fucking character. If you like the Taskmaster, you like Echo. If you don't like Taskmaster, you don't like Well, that's the problem. Is They made Taskmaster Master in Black Widow very much the same ability. Because and they didn't even talk about Echo's abilities to mimic. No, they like, did. She, she was just deaf and knew martial arts. Yeah, right. But that's and that that's correct. They didn't talk about that. But with the Taskmaster that they created in Black Widow, she couldn't really talk a whole lot either. She had been uh, ruins, not the right word, but she she's been impaired somehow, like Snake Eyes. Yeah. So. Oh. Uh, 
Yeah, okay. Loki. Go. Yes. You want to see it? I want to. I want to see the I, second season of Loki. I want to see where they. I want to see where they go with it. The I Marvels. Do I don't care. The Marvels. Okay, I'll say one thing oh. about Brie Larson. Way skinny now. Okay. Yeah, she's a beast Way. though. She's a mini beast though. I'm interested because I got really hooked on the Miss Marvel, and I don't really care about. I saw some of uh, Brie Larson's workout videos on Instagram, and she's a beast. Iron Heart. Nope. Does anybody care? This character showed up in one book. One fucking book. And now they're making a movie of it. Uh, just because they need another Iron Man. Uh, two you books. Don't. I'm sorry. Two. I'm because sorry. Iron Man was the introduction and then their her own series. But yeah, no, I don't care. Wade? Mm, that one's a toss-up for me. It depends. Do they go like the old school Blade where... I think that's just, what they're doing. Right. But di- it's now owned by Disney, so it's is it going to be the fluff... Or is it well, be they the... they signed Ryan Reynolds, so and he wouldn't sign unless Deadpool was R. So it could be good. Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Uh, she's she was the best part of the WandaVision show. I wanted to see her in the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, so did I. As Wanda's teacher, uh, Daredevil: Born Again, of course. I I'm interested in that. maybe that Captain America: New World Order. No, it's got Sam. No, Sam as the as Cap. Um, Thunderbolts? Thund- no, don't care. It depends who they put in the Thunderbolts. Well, we already know Zemo. It, it's USA Agent and Zemo is two of them. And uh, White Widow. Um, I think Bucky's in it. They're going to put it, Bucky in it. It could be good. And, uh, yeah. You're supposed to be doing a Secret Fantastic Wars. Four? Yeah, I if it's based in the 60s, that's fine. But if they're going to base it now, it doesn't work. No. And the whole thing was the space race. That was the, yeah, the thing that's for the what Fantastic, made the Fantastic like, Hey, we're going to beat the Russians into space. Okay, so since you were bringing this up, they said, who would you like to see uh, on screen in the Marvel Universe? Uh, Wolverine. As Wolverine, right? Which Wolverine? Okay, the character Wolverine yeah. or who's playing him? Yeah, which, you know. And like I which said, version? Okay. Yep, and I was like, everybody's saying Laura Kinney. The majority of the people are saying Laura Kinney. And I was like, I would love to see Laura Kinney. The caveat being to that, don't make her the focus of the goddamn team. I put this on a post. I said, the problem with having Logan is that Fox oversaturated the whole goddamn thing with Logan and Wolverine. I love Logan. I I, I was going to call him Logan like my daughter called his uh, cousin. Hi, Logan. But um, make her a part of the team. But don't make her the focus of the team. And if they're going to do the X-Men, I want them to do the originals first. I want them to start off with the original five. I think it would be amazing, right? Or original four. You get kids that are 13, like right when they're Mm -hmm. hitting puberty. Bam. And then they become, they go to Charles' school and they grow up in there. But you have like a Logan character 
that he's an old man already. And he doesn't age, but these kids grow up. Kind of like uh, old man Logan. Yeah, kind of like um, Stranger Things, where these kids are all growing up, but you know, some the parents don't age really. Like, like that'd be perfect. Like have like this like immortal Wolverine, kind of like going through the whole thing. And you know, people Just, like, until now, yeah. Sixties like, to now, bam, it's the same age, same guy. And people were losing their shit because people were saying Laura Kinney. And I'm like, the only my only reason was because I didn't want to see. I want them to turn Logan into a special character again. Once they said James Howlett, it was over. Yeah. Yeah. He'll no longer ever be a special character. Now we know everything about him. We don't know. There's no mystery behind him anymore. I want Wild Thing. Wild Child? Wild Child, Child. that's it. I don't know. His Weapon Omega or his Wild Child? (laughs) His Wild Child. (laughs) I, I think they need to wait five or six years to even think about making an X-Men movie. I want to see an Uncanny X-Force. That's what I want to see. That's the next time I want to see Wolverine. A hit squad. Yeah. But I'm just like, and it's just, it goes back to that whole Marvel's being too woke thing. And I'm like, you really didn't understand the purpose of the X-Men if you think they're being woke with the X-Men. I want to see Morph on the big screen first. Fuck Morph. Fuck Morph. <laughs> they changed him and he looks like shit. Yeah. They made him bald. He'll cue ball. In the, in the new cartoon? Yeah. That they're making? Yep. I saw a still of it. He's bald. Is that the one being led by Magneto or something? Yes. With the, the, the purple suit with the white M on it. And everybody's like, oh, I gotta get that greeted. The one two hundred, yeah. yeah, I have it at home. Don't I'm care. Now. now it's gonna be worth more money because now they're making a cartoon about it. Mm-hmm. You know what they're making a cartoon for? They're children. Yeah. Are they? Are those yeah. comics gonna go up in price? No. Uh, the first one, I bet you will, just because. Oh, I didn't just even because, know that. yeah. Somebody will go out there and like. Hey, being made into a TV show. Not clarifying. It's going to be a cartoon nobody yeah. ends up caring about. Yep. I'm sure Brian Faustino will appreciate it. He'll have a job again. <laughs> Alright. Well, I think I think I ran out of steam. I got everything out of my noggin. Cool. Alright, guys. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Two weeks. Later. Bye. Bye.